Pascal Siakam night, baby. He was great down the stretch. Um, it was great seeing the love that they have for him here, what he meant to this city and this franchise. And so now we're the fortunate ones that get to have him with us and just, uh, just really happy for him. Just to see the reception, like people being so genuinely just happy for me. Like, I think for me, that was the most important thing. Just like, I got so many messages from people, just genuine love, like, and, and to me, that means everything. Um, to see that whole section with my jerseys, like, yeah, like that almost got me right there. Cause, Cause it's just like, like I couldn't really never dreamed of that, you know, like, and, and to have that, man, it means a lot. Bad Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Ben Ennis and Brent Gunning, who, like Pascal Siakam, returning. Mm. Thank you. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Santos. Good job, buddy. Uh, welcome back. How are you feeling? I'm thrilled. I, uh, you know, I gave you guys uh, probably 10% more than you wanted in terms of uh, what I was going through the past couple days uh, before the show started, so I will spare the listeners all that. But, yeah, thrilled to be back. You know me. I love talking about, like, big breaking news i love talking leaf stuff so i was gutted mm. to miss yesterday like it was literally gutted literally you might you might say yeah i was like i was already ill and then my <laughs> body's like and you're missing the riley discourse no yeah. you're back on the uh, riley discourse yeah. train oh, today oh i'm sure there'll be room for some takes about that yeah, <laughs> yeah. Me, and, me and siakam actually i think like pretty pretty similarly viewed you know it's like we have our detractors. We mm. have people who love us maybe mm. more than we should. That's just my family. Pascal Siakam has like actual fans and stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's good to be back and uh, good to good to have Siakam back in the city. Honestly. Yeah, it was great to have Pascal Siakam back. And honestly, it played out. I, I, I was gonna say perfectly, uh, except for the That's Raptors lost. But yeah. like. It's still kind of perfectly because that that is the type of game and we can get more into like yeah, the nuts yeah. and bolts of the game. That is the type of game that I'm I'm very accepting of that type of loss. Mm. Like lose like that all day if you like a moral victory, if you will. Yeah, Monday unacceptable. Yeah, <laughs> yesterday confirm. very acceptable uh, against the Pacers team that is not a championship level contender. A an in-season yeah, tournament say, finalist. Watch your mouth. <laughs> they, yeah, they have a, a, an up-and-coming rising star with Tyrese Halliburton, and then they've added some veteran uh, presence and an all-star in Pascal Siakam, who's finished top 10 in MVP voting. Anyways, but yeah, let, let's start at the very top with, mm-hmm. the, with Pascal Siakam's return. It was great, great to, to see him feted in that manner, and uh, unfortunately for Raptors fans, like the, the first half where he like didn't quite look like at the peak uh-huh. of his powers because maybe he was a little too emotional, did yeah. not carry over until the, into the second half, and you know, his bucket uh, at the end of the fourth quarter kind of cementing the win for the Pacers despite the fact the Raptors had a chance to, to win that basketball game, but it was good. It was just that guy deserves a, deserved a moment like that yesterday, and I did feel like the last couple of years – Soured the relationship, mm-hmm. not to the degree of like DeMar DeRozan no. being traded away for a guy that immediately comes in and wins a championship and yada, 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 and and him feeling like he was going to be part of this franchise mm-hmm. forever and ever and ever, and that not being the case. I mm-hmm. think like the writing was on the wall for Pascal. Yep. But yeah, that made the last couple of years kind of awkward and weird. So it was it was great to see some positivity between the Raptors and, and Pascal yesterday. It's funny. I honestly hadn't thought about this until right now. But it's funny. You mentioned the slow start to the game for him. And, you know, like good players have slow starts all the time. Uh, it's, it's actually a, roughly 33% of what we talk about in this market is good players having slow starts to That's games right. and, or, and or seasons. But knowing what you know about Siakam... You should have saved that for right before the fourth quarter. It's like you've had a nice, tight game, and then, mm. and now, oh, 
save the video. Yeah, petting him. Right, it's like you got a little breather in there anyway. He admitted he was impacted by it at the top of the game. I mean, it does not matter, like the wins and losses. And again, we'll talk about the intricacies of it all. But knowing what you know about the player, you definitely could have still fed him in a way that that might have helped you there. There was a moment kind of early-ish in the third quarter where he has, you know, it's not quite the 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 vintage Pascal spin move, but it is just no, Pascal had bucket. The, the, yes. the vintage Pascal skin he, spin move he, on Siakam. He did, but there was a moment where Pascal just hits the most Siakam shot of all time to give the Pacers a lead early in the third. They, you know, I know the game got tight, but they never really kind of looked back from that moment. I just went, ah, that's it. That's him kind of finding his footing. He got everything past him. And to your point about how awkward it got, it didn't get a little awkward. You had the president of the organization, the guy who, you know, uh, Coach Darko can say whatever he wants about Scotty Barnes, but for the, I won't say foreseeable, but for the right now and and into the very short-term future, Masai Ujiri is still the face of this franchise. And you have him coming out and saying it's selfishness and pointing it pretty directly at, at one player. It got as awkward as it could. So I think it was really important to kind of have this kumbaya moment the Raptors you know I know it's been a really nice run not as of late but the title team and Damar and Kyle and all of that you're not going to have a million players that you have that relationship with and you cannot afford to squander that and I don't think it was going to be but you needed to have last night go well from a PR feels perspective and I think it did because man Kawhi Leonard He's not going to talk glowingly about what it means to be a Raptor for him. Mm -hmm. Kyle Lowry will. Mm -hmm. DeMar DeRozan. The end was weird. Mm -hmm. There's really, you know, Marcus All, Serge Ibaka, love those guys. They were mercenaries here for a short time, not a long time. You know, Ibaka a little longer in the tenure, but he had so many other places that meant things to him. You only have a few Pascal Siakams in this franchise's history right now, so you needed to make sure that relationship got mended, however much it had frayed. No, and it, and it's a good point about this type of um, return. It feels like it happens every other week, right? Because of this, this OG coming, yeah, yeah, this <laughs> moment in the history of the franchise. But we're gonna go a long time without this happening again. It's it's because of the championship being so yeah. recent. It's because of the turnover and players and the the Raptors entering this different phase of of their franchise's existence and the Siakam narrative of, of being a twenty seventh overall pick, uh-huh. being a, a a guy that went get down to the G League, won a G League title, won you know was an incredible player in the G League, asserting himself as an NBA player, being part of the bench mob, and then becoming a starter, and then being literally the second highest scoring Raptor during the six-game series in the finals against the Warriors, like behind Kawhi Leonard, hitting the shot that put him up three with 30 seconds to go in Mm -hmm. game six. And then the next season after Kawhi Leonard leaves, taking another step in your development and literally finishing top 10 in MVP voting. He finished 10th. In NBA MVP voting, and you had to change your thinking about, oh, well, he's a great player and a great second banana, to like, oh, my God, is this guy actually turning into somebody you can build your franchise around? Mm -hmm. That type of player? Is this like the next coming of Kawhi Leonard? And then the pandemic and him being unplayable in that playoff series in the bubble against the the, the Boston Celtics, yeah. and then things kind of falling apart since then, and then the selfishness. It's, it was a very circuitous Pascal Siakam route, and I'm glad we just got back to the positivity that should exist around a guy that was a late first-round pick, somebody that was projected to be a second-rounder that you turned into an all-star and an MVP mm-hmm. vote-getter 
is I'm just happy to see him get his due uh, his due uh, fetting from Raptors fans. Yeah, you're you're right, and you know it's funny you mentioned the pandemic stuff, and I know people roll their eyes at it to a certain degree because uh, shocker, I know we were all impacted one way or another by the pandemic, but you know, really quick off the top of my head, like if we're just doing a draft of guys impacted the most by it, he couldn't touch a basketball for two months. And, right. and I, there was like some back channel indication or that they were trying to maybe get him to. Yeah. And like, may, it certainly could have benefited from him yeah. to, touching the pumpkin there uh, yeah. before, before those playoff series against the Nets and Celtics. Yeah. That, so, I mean, again, like there's a million athletes that were affected by it. Guys in their draft years, guys just finding their footing guys coming back from injury. Sure, sure, sure. But from a Toronto perspective, I mean, like Vlad was buoyed by it, quite frankly. Like we go look at all the Buffalo numbers and, and the Dunedin numbers. Siakam, it was the exact opposite. So you would love to see a world of, you know, what would have happened. And again, we'd all love to see a world where that didn't happen. But does he continue to take strides? Does he be continue to become that player that we saw? Now, I want to be clear. Like I'm fetting the player here today and we should give him all his flowers. I have also been someone who's a firm believer that he is a second banana. Yeah. Like I thought that season was a nice, I won't say aberration, but it was the absolute peak of his powers. And then I think there's a reason that a player, as he got closer to 30, became a secondary piece. Once again, there was that fleeting moment. So I don't want to turn this into the dump on Siakam show, but I also think that that's why the pandemic hitting when it did is so tough for him. It's almost like, you know, not to turn everything into a Leafs comparable, but we will never get the referendum on Kyle Dubas signing those guys to the salaries because the cap went flat right after. Even if you're someone who says it was a mistake, you can't sit there and say that that didn't impact it. If you were somebody who thinks, hey, Pascal Siakam, he, the championship turned him into a different player and then he was able to take the step and then what if he's able to take another mini step beyond that? I can't sit here and tell you you're wrong. So it's just a, it is such another little interesting wrinkle in, mm. in a guy's kind of Raptors tenure and the story we'll tell about him. Yeah, his story is different than obviously a Kyle Lowry who mm -hmm. is, I think, going to go down as the greatest Raptor of all time and I think going to be the first guy to have his number raised to the Raptors or there's even, no way it can be anybody else. Yeah. And like even a DeMar DeRozan, who's still at the, the tippy top of all the counting statistics in franchise history, because he was by no fault of his own, not part of that championship tenure. Um, he, yeah, he's separated as well, but I, yeah, again, like there, there are numbers to suggest Ooh. he's one of the, the franchises. Can I, great. Can I quickly get in yeah. on that? I think the thing about the Raptors winning the title is it actually does allow DeMar's number to be retired mm. because I think that if DeMar and Kyle kind of went in together to the rafters as, Hey, these were pillars of our franchise. You've decided mm -hmm. that it is enough to be a pillar of your franchise to lose in the Eastern conference final. And Hey, there's a lot of, there's a lot of teams every year mm -hmm. that would kill for that. There are not a lot of franchises that would like to sign up for that as the kind of peak of what they will achieve. But by Lowry winning the title, and, you know, we can have the conversation one day about Kawhi Leonard's number two, but it allows you to have a DeRozan who, hey, this guy was a beloved figure for the franchise, did it so well for so long. He can go up there too. Now, I'm not saying he definitively has to. I don't think he could have if they didn't win a title and it was just, all right, this is the ceiling. This is as good as we can get. But now that this franchise did have success, I actually do think it opens the door to allowing it for DeMar. Well, and I don't think you're going to retire Kawhi Leonard's number. So DeMar DeRozan is kind of the avatar for Kawhi Leonard in this. Yeah. And, and he also, he he's not just like, 
leading the the, the franchise uh, record books in Ooh. like some obscure. He did the franchise yeah. leader in points, yeah. right? In games played, in minutes played, in field goals. I was going to say definitely <laughs> field goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he he's he's and one this, of the franchise well, icons. And this stuff, I don't want to, and you know, not to hijack Pascal Siakam Day and make it about Demar Derozan, but here here we are. This can't be overstated. And again, it means less now than it did at the time. But the I got us tweet has to mean something. Mm. It does. Like mm-hmm. it's not it's not the first thing, but mm. if you're doing this like a baseball Hall of Flame Hall of Fame plaque, it's it's one of the notes at the bottom. Once tweeted, mm. I got us after mm-hmm. Chris Bosch left for a franchise who nobody ever wants to sign up to play for. Kinda still. Yeah. You know? No, I mean they've Definitely never signed so. a free right. agent. Oh no, Turkaloo and Damari Carroll worked out so well. Actually, yeah. Go back on that. Never signed a free agent again. Although Kelly, Kelly Olenek seemed pretty pleased to be traded here. And we'll, we'll see if, you know, yeah. one of the notable big name Canadians becomes a free agent. Yeah. But yeah, as of uh, this moment in history, it's never happened. Yeah. So, yeah, Pascal Siakam rightly uh, being celebrated yesterday. He ends up on the winning end of things. The Raptors lose again. But <laughs> Scotty Barnes looked Juvenated, mm. rejuvenated. He was the, he was got, stepped into the juvenation machine because uh, Monday was maybe his worst uh, effort uh, of his career, like certainly of the season, and then leaves the the bench with uh, under five seconds to go. Yeah, it was like three point three, and then the discourse that followed and the awkwardness of the the media conference the the next day and the difference of opinion between him and Darko Ryakovich. You wonder, like my eyes yeah. were. Drawn immediately to Scotty Barnes yesterday's game. The whole Raptors team, mm-hmm. which is not its not an everyday thing, but this obviously circumstances dictated that yesterday was a game they were going to get up for. Right off the opening tip, looked energized, but Scotty Barnes in particular, mm-hmm. and in a, a game, again, where he was going to be the focal point of our attention, he rose to the occasion, despite the fact, you know, there's a couple of, Pretty brutal turnovers in the final minute of that game that that caused the Raptors a victory. Yeah, I think you. Th- it was so important for Barnes to show up and be assertive and be the lead dog, whatever term you want to use for the guy he needs to be on this team. And you know, I d- I don't think anybody made too much of him leaving the bench early. You know, we've all seen the clips going around of oh, here's LeBron with five minutes left in the game. Well, guess what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I, if this is breaking news out there to you, uh, maybe sports is not your thing. Scotty Barnes and LeBron James have different yeah. rules right now, okay? Yeah. Maybe one day, probably not, but maybe one day he gets to that level of, well, of rules. And I think everybody wants to downplay it, but they just keep, they won't allow us yes. to downplay it. Like, I, I, have you gone back and rewatched yes. Scotty Barnes at the end of that game on Monday? Oh, completely vacant body language for lack of a better term. Yeah, for sure. I mean, over the course of the entire game and especially when he's getting swatted like multiple times yeah. by Wemby in the third quarter, he's like, ah, forget it. Yeah. Uh, never mind. A lot of men. I, I got to be honest, probably not the first man that's going to happen to in, in Victor Wembanyama's career. The 10 blocks, though, it was, uh, it was tough. But yeah, I think that you really needed to see that from Barnes, a, you know, a put the team on his back type night and Obviously, I would have preferred if he made one of the open threes he had, especially the one uh, late, late, late in regulation that would have given him the the lead there or tied it up there. But I think it's almost better that he was able to do it on a night where the shot wasn't falling. That's 
that's kind of easy if you're just mm-hmm. having one of those nights where it's going in and you can kind of take all the open looks you want. He wasn't able to do that. He had to be the facilitator, rebounder, defender that this team needs him to be. I mean, they put him on Pascal in the first half. They tried him out on Halliburton at times in the second half. It was everything you wanted from your young player. And you mentioned the turnovers at the end. That doesn't mean he's perfect. That doesn't mean he had a, had a flawless game. But to be able to answer, rejuvenate himself, whatever term you want to use, mm-hmm. it was massive. A, a really big kind of step, check mark, whatever you want to put it, for what this player needs to be for this team. Need to see it more consistently. Uh, of course. <laughs> not <laughs> just when you're guilty. Not just when Pascal's back. Right. Well, that's the other part of it too, right? Like how much of it is that? Those guys were playing tug of war for a mm-hmm. while. He was getting super pointed questions about, hey, Pascal's gone. It's your team now. Mm-hmm. How much of it is that? Was it more? And, you know, of course, it's all things. How much of it was him playing guilty, for lack of a better term, versus that of, hey, Pascal's here. This is a real team. I got to turn it up. Yeah. You should be turning it up every Agre- single agreed. game. I want to be clear. And, yeah, and yes. this is not just a, a Scotty Barnes conversation as well. This is a, a Raptors team in general conversation. It's even a Raptors team before the trades of OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam conversation that before those guys were traded out of town, before the path forward for this team was abundantly clear uh, because the franchise told us, all right, we we gave it a a go, but yeah, we got to pivot off these dudes. We got to think about the future. Before that, when the edict was actually, let's win basketball games here, we had a lot of efforts. Maybe that didn't look as bad as Monday, but pretty damn close. Yeah. So, I mean, I I actually was drawing leaf parallels to to yesterday's game because... Hey, the Leafs showed us they're capable of locking it down defensively. It allowed 15 shots against the St. Louis Blues because they had no players. Mm-hmm. The Raptors are capable of of good efforts against good teams. So what's your excuse then when you don't have that? And certainly Darko Ryakovich understands that there's better efforts available to him at his disposal. And it's up to him, honestly. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, it's, it's always... You're going to look at the players mm-hmm. first, but... Once you see a, a, a repeated action, um, at some point we've got to pivot off the players and wonder what's happening below the surface. We know they're they're capable of an effort like yesterday. you, you got to make sure that that happens more consistently. Because like I said, I can abide by watching a 48-minute yep. basketball game with the Raptors. Oh, man, grind it out. And uh, 22-year-old fumbles a ball out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, R.J. Barrett misses some, some uh, ill-timed free throws. Uh, and then, you know, back iron at the end of the game to to tie it up. Like, I can abide by that. I, what I can't abide by is getting blown up and, and, and giving up 103 points through three quarters to the 27th-ranked offensive team in the San Antonio Spurs on Monday. I'm not absolving Coach Darko of any of this, but I, it's the NBA. You, you have to take on the personality of your star. You have to, have to, have to. Now, maybe that is on Coach Darko. If you're here to be the developmental guy, yeah, development means getting a tighter handle. Yeah, development means having better shot selection or just working on your shooting mechanics. Development is also about becoming that lead dog. And that has always been my kind of question about Coach Darko is not the X's and O's, not the ability to relate to players, but how do you create a monster, for lack of a better term? Because that's who you want Scotty Barnes to be every single night. And every NBA team takes on the personality of their star players. Sometimes teams have a couple of star players, and you see the personality can kind of be a little Jekyll and Hyde, where it's a little bit this guy, a little bit that guy. But look at the Nuggets. Like, they're so laissez-faire. That comes completely from one place and one place only. 
and it's Nikolai Jokic, okay? It's like the Lakers, they all hate each other, and they're passive-aggressive. Mm. I love you, LeBron, but mm. that only comes from one place either, and that is why this is such a, you know, a crux moment for Scotty Barnes is, okay, everyone's been cleared out. This is clear as day your team. The coach is calling you the face of the league. You need to be the guy that drives that personality. Now, that's why Kelly Olynyk's on this team. Part and parcel. Now, I don't think Kelly Olynyk's going to grab Scotty Barnes and be like, when I was the lead dog, but it's a good vet. It's a good role model. It's a guy who's been in the league for a long time. Bruce Brown, same exact kind of thing. That's what I look to. So I'm not absolving Darko of any of this, but Mm -hmm. the call has to come from inside the house. Like, Scott, man, again, Leafs Raptors, we're going to do it a million times. We could talk all we want about Sheldon Mm Keefe or about Coach Darko or about Tyler Bertuzzi or about Bruce Brown. But the only thing that matters is the personality of, with the Leafs, it's three or four guys. With the Raptors, you know, we can expand this out to Emmanuel quickly and R.J. Barrett if we want. But it's really about one guy's temperament. And this is not me casting a die on what it is, but that's the kind of mini referendum you're having the rest of this Raptors season. We keep coming back to that is, what do we want? What do we need to take out of this Raptors season? That's it. It's no longer growth in terms of what type of player he is from Scotty Barnes. Mm -hmm. It's the leader. It's the person. It's the captain, for lack of a better term. And I don't say that to say he's a bad guy, Mm -hmm. but it's this is the growing up that needs to happen from him. And you saw it in spades last night. Yeah. And I'm of actually of two minds about the the sulking stuff on Monday because it does show that, like, he's disappointed, right? Like You want them to care. (laughs) And and he's like, yeah, he doesn't want to be turning the ball over a hundred times. He doesn't want to be swatted every single time he tries to take the the ball to the rim when there's a seven-foot-five guy underneath it. But, yeah, you got to understand um, a better way to internalize that as opposed to uh, just putting your head down and forgetting about the defensive side of the ball. Um, and he did that well yesterday. It also helps, though, when, yeah, you get off to a great start offensively, you're having a great game to to keep your head up. But there's uh, more losses to come for this Raptors team. But if they look like yesterday, totally fine with it. Last little nugget on the game game yesterday. And you mentioned that Darko Ryakovich is not necessarily X's and O's. Sometimes it is X's and O's, honestly, for me. Uh, at the beginning of the season and, like, his, uh, his inability or uh, unwillingness to, to mess with the starting lineup. Um Chris Boucher can't crack a rotation when clearly like, Kelly Olenek has the back injury and yep. Boucher's forced into the rotation for the first time in a dog's age and gives you, like, lifeless and like, so many lifeless mm-hmm. uh, efforts from this team over the course of the season that that guy, whether he succeeds or not, generally when he gets into a basketball game is giving you a spark energy-wise, did the same thing yesterday and was a very much a net positive for this Raptors team. Like, Chris Boucher should be on this team specifically part of the rotation. Like, come on, what are we doing here? Yeah, I, I agree. You you need more size. You want Boucher to, at the very least, keep other guys hungry. Like, the idea that you're not going to use him for that in and of itself. And, yeah, you know, I know some people expected him to go at the deadline. Obviously, with the extra money left on, on his contract after this year, that wasn't going to be the case. But especially, you know, in a world where... This Raptors team, we talked about it again, like the Bruce Brown contract, who knows they picked that up. If there are big, bigger moves to be made, you know, showcase is too strong a term because no one's going nuts for Chris Boucher. But you should show that, guess what? If I'm trying to pawn him off on another team, the first thing that team would be saying is, but he can't play for you. Mm-hmm. Why do I want him? Right. So maybe let him play for you. Yeah. I'm with you there. Yep. Uh, I did want to bring up one other thing as well. Not, not a too big a point, but just... Grady Dick, like it's important that he continues to make strides as a competent rotation player. If you would have told me that I would have liked Grady Dick's night when he went one of four from three, I would be quite quite honestly shocked 
by that, but he's proven to be a little more than just a shooter. Like there are going to be warts to the game. If he becomes the best version of himself, there's still going to be a lot of warts there, but it's just really nice to see a guy who quite honestly, I think a lot of people were, they weren't pouring dirt on him, but they were ordering it. They're like, Hey, could I get uh, mm, probably two or three bags? Cause uh, I'm going to bury this guy. No, it's one of those people, you know, uh, do you have a neighbor that has, they have that big pallet of oh, dirt yeah. that shows up on yeah, the oh, driveway. Yeah. I've seen this before. Yeah, yeah, it was one of those situations. Yeah, those guys were fielding calls on on uh, for people ready to criticize Grady Dick. And honestly, he's he's really kind of finding his footing here. So very can't be understated how important that is for the Raptors for him to just become a piece. If you think this thing is getting good anytime soon, you need quality rotation pieces, and the guy you took in the lottery kind of needs to be one. Yeah. Uh, looked really confident. And even one of those threes that he missed, like he just shot it with a ton of confidence, just missed. Running pick and roll at one point last night. A great nice assist in that game. Yeah. Uh, actually, last thing for me mm. on this game. We talked, we talked about it a little bit before the show. Simon Liu, get, <laughs> like, we know celebrities live a very lavish and incredible lifestyles that we can't even really comprehend. It's my favorite thing is when they go to award shows and it's like, they could afford all this stuff, but we're just going to give it to them. Yeah, well, and I don't know if, like, during the majority of the year, he does live in his hometown of Toronto, but... Not going to pretend to know. There's a possibility that Cheetos flew him into Toronto, yeah. put him courtside at a Raptors game, yeah. and they're like, here's the mountain of money, yeah. and you just eat Cheetos yeah. on camera. Yeah, for court, five seconds. Courtside. And it's like, if he wasn't here, it's like, you know, they're putting him up in the best hotel. <laughs> what a life it, it must be. I, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen that type of that was, brand synergy before. And like I the bag specifically, like I I don't think it was like a bag that you could no, you no, and I no. could that's order. Like, it was like that special. Is a prop, that's a prop bag. Like yeah. they custom made that. It probably was brought in in like a case of yeah. some type. A handler was like, oh, oh, we're doing the shot. Got to give it to him. Yeah. It's remarkable. I'm, I, I'm sure he likes Cheetos too. Like who doesn't like Cheetos? But I, like it's did I he fit it? That's a, a bag. Yeah. It's a whole like that's a lot. Well, and. You know, like the mechanics behind it. It's like the, once he's done waving, like he goes and like obviously washes his hands, right? <laughs> We're done here. It was amazing. Good for, honestly, I wish I, wish it was me. Yeah, wish of course. It was me. Of course, of course, of course. All right, when we come Zero back. Zero ill will. No. Get your money. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah, great job in Barbie. Anyways. I agreed. Uh, uh, you saw that one? Yeah, we talked about this. I oh. told you it was really it was a it was a very big sign that maybe I didn't get the crux of the movie when I was like, mm, these Ken parts, they're so good. Yeah, why wow. don't more Ken? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're nominated. The Academy agrees. Yeah. All right. When we come back, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs not going down without a fight when it comes to Morgan Riley's five game suspension. They will appeal. Headed uh, towards tonight's game against a Flyers team that they may be battling uh, with for a playoff position in the Eastern Conference. That and more next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All appearances on cops, all 
uh, all all, uh, all criminals are uh, innocent until proven guilty. Uh, and I guess, you know, despite the fact that Morgan Riley's been convicted, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he's been proven guilty yet because Leafs are appealing the five-game suspension. Because it's it's less than six, it means it goes directly to the big boss man. Yeah, how does that work if you appeal Gary a con- Batman. If you appeal a conviction, are you still guilty I until the appeal happens? I, I guess I, you are. I like, feel like that's how that works. You go in the slammer, actually. You the know, clink. Yeah. yeah. So you like I slammer guess he is. better than clink or clink better than slammer? No, nah, clink is better. Um, so, okay, he's been proven guilty. Uh, in the, the, the court of uh, George Paris's yeah, the department. Kangaroo, the of, kangaroo sham court of the NHL. Of player Guilty. safety. Uh, I was so excited about the Brad Treliving oh. media availability yesterday. Okay. I needed it. So yesterday, I, as I, again, have regaled you and, and Nazaparty and Santos with tales of my uh, walking woundedness. I was just in a complete haze and fog yesterday, part of why I wasn't here. But I remember coming to out of a nap at 1 o'clock and being like, I feel like this one tree is supposed to talk. Mm-hmm. And then I realized he wasn't, and I was gutted. I was crushed. I was dying for that from a content perspective. Mm-hmm. I was also just dying to know what he was going to say, what tone he was going to take. Well, I was they, the, crushed we didn't get the that. The way they set it up, the way it was it was presented to us with Sheldon Keefe being asked about the, the verdict that came down on Morgan Riley post-game after – the win over the St. Louis Blues was like, hey, hey, I'm not going to say anything because here's what's going to mm-hmm. happen. We're going to funnel all of this organizational angst and energy surrounding this into this one media Through availability Brad. tomorrow. And it was a great uh, perspective from Luke Fox and his latest on Sportsnet.ca uh, alerting us to the fact that in 2013, the San Jose Sharks were fined hundred grand by the NHL <laughs> after Doug Wilson publicly critis- uh, criticized the suspension of Rafi Torres during a postseason series. And, you know, I went back and looked at the, mm-hmm. the story, yeah. which was over a decade ago. But there's do you a think it was 48 a- hour Sorry, there's a 48 hour period after disciplinary action where you you can't have a formal team statement. <laughs> it's an automatic 25 grand fine. And then the Sharks were given an extra 75 after that. For so I troubles. wonder. Wow. I also wonder if that plays into it. Like, and is that, okay, do we have to wait for the 48 hours after the initial verdict was handed cool down? down? Like, once we have the appeal process completed, does that now eliminate this automatic suspension mm. or automatic fine that may exist if a team official publics, uh, publicly mm-hmm. has a statement uh, about the ruling? I don't know. So couple of couple of things on that is I wonder if Doug Wilson's comments were more or less pointed than when Daryl Sutter uh, after a game here two years ago as Flames head coach said, I've been coming into Toronto and getting screwed for 30 years. Yeah. I, I bet they were as pointed mm. uh, roughly. So yeah, it's amazing the double standards, things that get you fined, things that don't get you fined. I feel like you just said this, but I want to make sure I understand correctly. The team got fined or Doug Wilson got fined? Because I, I got to be honest. The Sharks were fined. Okay, well, not my money. I know, kind of, I know. Take the fine. Yeah, that's what I would like. I know, I know. I'm not. I'm not the one who has to write the check for a hundred grand. Man, would it suck to have to write that check? But again, even the person who's writing the check, it's not their money. Mm-hmm. This is what it's supposed to be. Now, if you think the best outcome of this is to have your 48 hour cool down period, because it's pretty clear that's what that has to be there for, mm-hmm. is for them to say, "All right, you got something to say? Why don't you wait your two days and see if you still really feel like you need to say it?" It's a good tactic for all of us to take, quite honestly. But 
I look at it and say, who cares? If you're just going to say your piece in two days anyways, if this is about the appeal and you thinking you're able to get Riley back a game sooner or save Riley as 40 grand or 39K or whatever it is that he loses out on a game, I can kind of understand it. But if it's you not wanting to cut the check for the criticisms you're inevitably about to level, I'm not going to sit here and kill him for it, but I don't love it. No, I guess I'm not going to kill him for it. Um, I do understand not not talking yet if they do believe that they have a, an ability to win this appeal and there is precedent for uh, an appeal victory. That's what happened to Jason Spence yep. as his six-gamer was lopped down to a four-gamer. Unfortunately for him, he had already served five games, but he got the money back for the final two games. So I understand like not wanting to murky the waters with your comments mm-hmm. now before, hey, maybe Gary Batman's going to say, you are 100% right. George Paris is out of his mind. No games or like one game or whatever. So yeah, you don't, you don't want to... You don't want to impact the the appeals process. But that's not going to happen. No, but what is going to happen clearly is that Brad for Living is not going to agree with the discipline that has handed down to his team's number one defenseman. You're not making a statement saying, you know what? He screwed up. He did a bad. And, and good for you, NHL, <laughs> for slapping him with a, you know, a near half dozen game suspension. Yeah, what I'm still, I guess, now waiting to hear is whether you use the bully pulpit that has been not beneficial to you in regards to supplemental discipline. Mm-hmm. And there's like there's statistical evidence yep. to now back up the the claim that the Leafs get unfairly scrutinized when it comes to uh, these type of events going to the Department of Player Safety, and clearly, like you know, if you if you think they're one and the same, this team does not end up on many power plays over the course of sixty game mm-hmm. uh, NHL games or sixty minute NHL games. Like, if you want, I, I'm just interested to see if because the spotlight on this team and each game that it plays has been a negative in that regard. Mm-hmm. Whether you say, "Hey, I'm going to flip the script here," yep. because everything that comes out of this market is scrutinized and a big story mm-hmm. in NHL circles for weeks and weeks, I'm going to make this the story. That we're too much the story and we're being unfairly scrutinized. I thought we were going to get that yesterday. We may still, mm-hmm. but uh, it, at the very least, he's going to be defending his player. Do you think, man, I have so many questions and like thoughts coming out of that. I'll just ask you this one. Do you think there's a small part of the league that would welcome that? To say, all right, no, go ahead, turn up your bully pulpit and watch every other franchise in this league say, we can't stand you. We actually think you get every break and we're sick and tired of it. I mean, go ahead, honestly, go at that belief, though. Like, where's your evidence then? Because all the evidence is in. You could not be talking to a worse person to make that case. I I understand. But, like, do you you think that. uh, Let's just talk about this country, right? And the the franchises, the the other six franchises Mm -hmm. in, in Canada. Do you really think that the, the the executives of those other six franchises truly believe that the Leafs get the benefit of the doubt? Now, he, they can believe that they certainly get the scheduling benefit right. of the doubt. And in Vancouver, they're like, ah, that was Seven stupid o'clock. Yeah, four yeah, yeah. o'clock Pacific games on Hockey Night in Canada. Sure, 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 sure. That's different, mm-hmm. though. That's not what I'm talking about. Because clearly, yeah, the league wants the most eyeballs on the sport. Mm-hmm. And that exists in yes. Toronto Maple Leafs games. But do you... Is there a no? Here's I, th- I guess you mentioned the Daryl Sutter thing. Yeah, I guess at least one guy does, or at least one guy is using his pulpit to to espouse that belief. I think if Treliving or Shanahan or man, even if it was Sheldon Keefe, if he just had enough one day and came out and said it, I'm not saying that 
you know, Patrick Alvine or Andular, the new Sens owner, or anybody from a organization is going to come out and say, absolutely not, let me counter this. But you and we talk about, you know, the idea of what media, what what how media can kind of shape the narrative. You don't think every radio show from coast to coast outside of the ones in this market are going to be using that uh, uh, flat out on a tee to just tee off on the Leafs and muddy mm. the waters of what this conversation is? Like, I think that's the part of it where yeah, Batman would almost to a certain extent. Yeah. I, again, I don't think he wants this. I think he would love nothing more than Brad Living to not speak about this publicly, Morgan Riley to serve his suspension, and everybody to stop talking about it. That's not going to happen. But I do think that would be his dream scenario. But I do wonder if part of this is like, okay, Leafs, you really want to do this? Go find your allies out there. Because outside mm. of Toronto, there are none for this belief. Yeah, but that's fine. And 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 yeah, I I don't know like how many teams well, no, but what are going to try- find like partners arm and arm to say that yeah hey they are kind of screwed these guys get screwed <laughs> stop well, no, screwing these guys we talk about we talk about the entertainment aspect of this the pro wrestling it's like that is something the NHL has really not had mm-hmm. much of in all of this and that that's why I say. I'm not saying Bettman would like that scenario to happen, mm-hmm. but I do wonder if, like, this is what we talk about all the time in other leagues is the Knicks and Raptors suing each other and the infighting among organizations. I, I do wonder if the NHL would kind of welcome that soap opera element There's of no it chance. a little. Okay, I don't, let me rephrase that. I do wonder if they should welcome that element. Oh, sure. I mean, I'd welcome it. It would be it would be great, great fodder. But yeah, no, they're not going to welcome a franchise uh, saying if it's not explicit, implicitly saying that something untoward is happening in regards to discipline being handed down to our team. I what? If, okay, let I was me, just I was go just going to say, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, Agreed. this is Brad Living's first kick of the can in the big chair yep. in this market. He's been in Canadian markets before. He's been in Calgary. It's different than being in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I think it's quite a big swing. And especially, like, you're like, hey, the next suspension, you're hoping that there's a cascading effect right. because, like, the, the toothpaste is out of the tube with Morgan Riley. But what so you're hoping Tyler for, Bertuzzi evidently maimed someone in May. When we get a Nazem Kadri situation, yeah. right? Like, you're that's what you're you're hoping to, yeah. to That'd prime. That'd be Jake McCabe, sorry. Yeah, you're priming the NHL Department of Player Safety for. I think it's... I, I would do it, and I think there is mm-hmm. a benefit to doing it. I think he's taken a step back from being vocal um, since he's been in the big chair. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a big swing to take in your first year. Well, so that's what I was going to ask you is, what does it say that it's Treliving being the one to talk? Because if you if you want to make a big swing and you want to make a big splash, it doesn't matter. It wouldn't matter if the team had named Carlton the Bear, the GM, and he for the first time in history spoke words in, into a mic and said everything that Brad Treliving is going to, say it would carry kind of the same weight because it's the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs but Brendan Shanahan carries way more weight than Brad Living does or the GM in this market and did the job that George did Paris the job. is doing so if he were to be the one that came to the mic with those criticisms I wonder how di- well not like it would play differently it's not a matter of if but it's how would it play differently and that's why I think it is kind of telling of how the Leafs want to go about this that is true living talking. Now, I know part of this is the Shanahan wants to be as, you know, removed, not front-facing as possible. And oh, I, yeah. I can understand that. Save your job. Right. But if you wanted to make the big splash, if you wanted to make a big impact with whoever, whenever it is that you're going to talk, I'm sorry, and this is no knock on Brad Living, but Shanahan just carries way more weight. Well, secondarily to that, if you're 
parsing the reasons as to why you would address the situation and and how pointed the comments would be, yep. you could make the the leap that Brendan Shanahan believes there will be an impact here because he was in the big chair and he wouldn't be speak. Let, yeah. Let's play this thing no, out where uh, Morgan Riley loses the appeal, five yeah. gamer uh, is upheld, and here comes Brendan Shanahan out to say this is garbage, this is unfair. The way that this team is adjudicated by the Department of Player Safety is not on par with the other uh, 31 teams mm-hmm. in the NHL, and something's got to change here. This is a guy that did the job, and he's not just doing that to do that, right? Like, you know everything you say in front of a microphone in this city. If you are, if you have a Toronto Maple Leaf on yep. either your jersey or on your Business sweater card. or whatever. Your cardigan. You work for the organization. You understand that everything's going to be scrutinized, and you understand that... You, you better come to the microphone with a plan and understanding the multiple ways that your words can be interpreted. If you're Brendan Shanahan doing that, you're like, I'm doing this because I think it's going to impact the next decision. It's not just because I need to get this off my chest and this is going to feel good for me. There's a purpose to this. And he would know. He's a guy that's been in the chair. Yeah, I think there is definitely an element to that. And that's why I wonder if it is true living. Because it's what are you trying to get out of speaking publicly? I do think that there is, I don't think this is the main concern, but I think it has to weigh into the equation as well Is how many times have, and you know, I know it's a subsect. There are some people who think the coach and the players should never talk about the refs because it's just go play the game and win the game. But there's a large element of people in this fan base that have been pounding the table Come on, Sheldon, take the fine. Come on, Sheldon, take the fine. I wonder how much of what we inevitably hear is, and I don't begrudge them for this, but a little bit performance for the fan base, if that's a part of this. I don't think it's the sole reason that you'd hear from Living eventually on this, but I think that has to weigh into this as well because you mentioned the numbers that have been going around about the amount of hearings that the Leafs have had, in-person hearings, suspensions. The numbers do not look good, and I think that they're, to your point, it's really nice for me to step to the mic and say, oh, the league is against the Leafs. And you all out there honk your horn in agreement with me and then roll your eyes and go, yeah, of course, Gunner thinks that. Mm-hmm. But it would feel different to have somebody with the logo on their jacket or on their business card or on their cardigan or whatever it is to say it. And I wonder how much of that weighs into the equation as well. Or to just you know, back your player. Yeah, your players. It's true. To, to, to feel like the organization has has their back. Yeah, can't overstate that part of it as well. I mean, and when it comes to Brad Living, a guy that has made a point of stepping into that, that locker room earlier on in the season when there was no response to one of your good young defensemen being maimed by Brad Marchand, and then to see a response, and nobody got hurt, but yeah, mm-hmm. clearly, well, your egos got hurt on Saturday by yeah. Ridley Gregg, uh, to see an immediate response uh, clearly something that I'm sure if you just took the fact that you're going to lose Morgan Riley for near half dozen games out of it, they they were big fans of. Uh, oh, yeah. If he's not going to get suspended, he should do that every game. Of course. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's not going to play tonight against the Flyers. Who knows if John Tavares and Mitch Marner are going to play? And now William Nylander, mm-hmm. uh, also part of that sickbay crew, not at yesterday's practice. Morgan Riley was actually skating on the top line as the placeholder for Phenomenal. for William Nylander. It's a good thing he had the good playoffs last year. Or the jokes flying about that's where he should be would it's, be would be going because well, we had a decade of people trying to turn uh, Coberly into a winger. Yeah, and and he did have the incredible postseason next to Luke Shen. Yeah, right. Yeah, but the Leafs also won all the games that he missed last season. Yeah, they won. The one game 
that he missed mm-hmm. this season. Yeah. They only allowed 15 shots against. Yeah. I mentioned this yesterday. Okay. And it's going to be kind I of a recurring theme. Careful how you frame this. I'm just asking okay. you, like, how long does the sample have to get before you start having legitimate takeaways as to what this team is without their number one defenseman, a guy who's playing career high in minutes over 24 a game this season? I think it's the exact same reason that the team has a ridiculous record in a positive way without Austin Matthews in the lineup. That when you mm-hmm. take away the biggest but load it's not, bearing... But it's not as good as the one without No, Morgan it's not. Riley. It's not as good. But the numbers without Matthews are, like, I don't have them in front of me, but mm-hmm. it is stark. Every time you think, ah, oh, man, no Matthews tonight the Leafs they win that game two-thirds of the time if not more I think it's it's mostly that and you know I say this partially tongue-in-cheek and I know a lot of people are always out for Tavares I'm the last guy of that but I think it also kind of proves that god I don't even want to say this like again tongue-in-cheek but not it's like that's the real captain of the team that's the real heart and soul guy that's the guy they feel like they have to step up for in his absence the most I think it's mostly the load-bearing wall theory that when you take away the guy who does all the work, everybody else has to start pulling in the rope and they have more responsibility and maybe that begets better results. But I think there's something to that. This team looks at Riley as the true kind of heartbeat guy. And like, God love Matthews. God love Tavares. And, you know, I don't lump Nylander or I will kind of lump Nylander in with those two is that they are who they are personality-wise. Like, yeah, Matthews gets fired up when he scores a big goal or one of his teammates does, but he's not an overly fiery guy. Same goes for JT. Riley, like, Marner's an energetic guy, but I wouldn't describe him as fiery. Moe's the one guy who's kind of got that in him, and I do think that there's some element of you take out his minutes, but you also take that out, and it just kind of forces guys to step up in a way that they don't when TJ Brody is out of the lineup, just to pick a guy. Sure. I love Morgan Riley. Who yeah. doesn't love Morgan Riley? Yeah, sounds like you. Uh, sounds like you. He's part of you want I, him, what I think. You is, want him to be Demar Derozan. I think he's part of the the default now Canadian power couple. He and Tessa Virtue. Like oh, my wife is all in on this. She's like, why aren't they on the money? They maybe they will be. In yeah, it's, <laughs> are they even married yet? Like I believe. Oh yeah, they I did. Like I saw seen, pictures yeah, of right. a nuptial. Yes, they actually have. Yeah, they've uh, they've said their vows. They're they, a best skating couple without. Without, without yeah. fail. Yeah, there's no, there's no debate about that. I mean, nobody thinks Morgan Riley's a Dano Chara, right? Like nobody thinks he's like no. some incredible defender, honestly. And you can keep the puck out of your own net in a couple of different ways. And the best way is to keep it in the offensive zone and sure. to get it out of your your zone, right? Yeah. But that's like especially on the rush, like and. Uh, I know everybody gets turned inside out by Connor McDavid. No, but like, no, I will not. I will not have that McDavid goal as anything okay. other than just a plus for McDavid. That is not a knock but on Riley. In a one-on-one rush type scenario, like yeah. where are you drafting Morgan Riley to defend that? Probably not super high. Yeah, probably not. But I've had to hear, and like, I'm not. I'm not saying you've been the one to say this, but. I've had to hear all year long about how the Jets are the greatest team in the history of mankind and like worse Morgan Riley is their number one defenseman and Josh mm-hmm. Morrissey and mm-hmm. like he got fake Norris votes mm-hmm. last year. So yeah, he like he's not he is not Chris Pronger. He's not Darian Hatcher, okay? Yeah. He is who he is. The all of the flaws I'm just and saying. I'm gonna use those in air quotes with Morgan Riley are not a flaw of Morgan Riley. I understand. It's a flaw with TJ Brody uh, or with Jake McCabe 100%. or whoever they're putting next to him. But it is it is interesting that a player with that skill set, yeah. when he departs, the team turns into like the mid-90s devils. 
Like the the month that he missed, yep. they didn't allow any goals. Okay, can we? Can they we, allowed 15 shots against against the St. Louis Blues, who had won seven of eight coming into that game. Can we just see? Like, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying, but can we see more than one game of it with this year's iteration of a team before? Because. The team that did that last year, it wasn't your Max Domi's mm-hmm. and your Tyler Bertuzzi's. No, and your... They, they were great at limiting uh, shot attempts in every game. Exactly. So I I will have more time for this question if at the end of Riley's six-game suspension, we've seen six games of this or five games of this. I, I just I think the jury's still very much out on this Leafs team doing that as compared to I last mean, year's Leafs team. Yeah, you're right. One game does not a trend make. And but I mean I am extrapolating it over almost twenty games now over yep. the last two seasons. You're right to make the a point of demarcation between last year's mm-hmm. Leafs team and this year's Leafs team. But yeah, this year's Leafs team ain't no good defensively. Okay, and they haven't gotten great goaltending. But part of the reason why you're seeing Ilya Samsonov take a step backwards is because last year's team uh-huh. was great in front of him, and this year's team was not so great. Mm-hmm. That's what makes the Blues game even that more mind-bending. You're right, it's just one game. Yep. But it'll be interesting, and it's not like they're playing the world beaters in the next mm-hmm. four. They got the cup uh, champions in the, the first game back for Morgan Riley. It's just on my radar. Mm. Can you admit that it's on your radar, or is it not on your radar at all? No, it's it's not that it's not on my radar. It's just that's why he makes seven five or seven eight five or whatever it is, and mm-hmm. he doesn't make ten because he's not that guy. Like I hear everything you're saying, mm-hmm. well, but, but you then, go replace Morgan Riley with, and again, we act like you can just get this guy in a one for one deal. One, Morgan Riley ain't waving his no move clause, and two, you're not going to trade him. But it's like if you just swap him in with seven seven five guy who is the complete 180 to him. He shuts everything down, but he doesn't give you anything on the other side. Is this team better? I'm willing to entertain that question. I just don't, Mm. where is that one for one? Like, it's not happening, that's all. I I just wonder if there's going to be some takeaways after this. It's twofold. That, well, one, with with Tavares and Marner out of the lineup and maybe Nylander and the way Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi, despite never again scoring a goal or getting a point, and Nick Robertson in that game. like He was great. Whether you should actually be giving more opportunity to some of the depth players and 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 maybe that is one of the takeaways you get. That over. I very much get on board with. But maybe also Morgan Riley's playing too many minutes. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's fair, like he's playing it's almost 25 minutes a game. He played fewer than 22 a game last season and they were the best defensive version of themselves yeah i I, i'm open to the possibility that that is the best way to deploy this leafs team maybe maybe they should have signed a defenseman that could play instead of john klingberg and we wouldn't have morgan riley playing yeah Yeah. okay Mm -hmm. they could have had dumba and him yeah okay cool maybe one day i'll stop relitigating that in my head probably not all right when we come back Blue Jays spring training officially opening today with the mandatory reporting day for pitchers and catchers and Tiger back in action for the first time in almost a year. We'll get into uh, both things next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.